Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. When we have our own heavenly FDA audit after we die, we want to have zero deficiencies when we're audited by our auditor, who is the Lord God Almighty. And if we have these zero deficiencies, we'll hear him say in Matthew 25, 21, Matthew 25, 21, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And if that happens for each of us personally, it's not gonna be by chance. It won't be because we lucked out. It'll be because we have set up our own personal internal audit of our conscience, assigning this job to our conscience where we, we task our conscience to have the authority to enter into every part of our lives and audit us. As with antibodies, our internal auditor of our conscience will be successful if we use the same criteria, you know, scantibodies use the same law, the so-called GMP, Good Manufacturing Procedures of the FDA, that's the law, in the Federal Register, that's the law. It's written down in the Federal Register. You can get a copy of it, anyway. And that's what the FDA uses as the guidelines. Now, our internal, our spiritual internal auditor of our conscious will be successful if he uses the same criteria that God will use when he audits as our judgment, and that criteria is the Holy Bible. Our internal auditor must use the Bible to audit our acts, our thoughts, our attitudes, and our words. And as with scantibodies, our internal auditor of our conscience must generate a checklist that's based on the Bible, that's what the FDA does, to audit our acts, our thoughts, our attitudes, and our words. And if we construct, if we construct for our internal auditor Along the lines, this checklist, along the lines of Philippians 4.8, Philippians 4.8, which says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, any praise, think on these things. If, that, if our checklist for the internal auditor of our conscience looks like, as it goes down the questions, the questions to question about our acts, about our thoughts, about our attitudes, about our words, was that true? Was that kind? Was that good? Was that honest? Was that virtuous? Was that honoring to God? Did that bring any praise to God? Did that advance God's interest? Was it pure? Was it humble or 
Was it self-promoting? Was it for self-glory? And if we empower our conscience as our internal auditor to use that checklist to evaluate every one of our acts and thoughts and attitudes and words, then we'll be ready for the ultimate audit by God after death, which is the judgment, called the judgment. And just as Scanabody self-auditors find deficiencies, our conscious self-auditor is gonna find deficiencies, which are called sins, in our lives. And just as Scanabody self-auditors require a corrective action plan to fix each deficiency, we must have our own spiritual corrective action plan for how we're gonna correct these personal sins. And the worst thing that Scanabody self-auditors can do is to come to a department and say, look, look, look guys, I found this problem. You just have got to do a better job of covering this up. <laughs> so no one can find it, okay? Just you know, continue with the deficiencies, that's okay. Just hide it better. You know, you're not doing a good job of concealing it from the auditor, you're gonna get caught. That's the worst thing they can do. And by same token, the worst, well, I guess the worst thing is, you know, look, you say, oh, I don't know, who cares? No, but the second worst thing, okay. Second worst thing is that for our, 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 our personal internal auditor of our conscious, do the same thing. To look and, and say, say to us, look, I found this sin, you gotta cover it up better. So no one can see that, okay, you know, keep with the sin, but just hide it better. You're not doing a good job covering up your sin. The Bible says, if you do that, whosoever shall cover his sin shall not prosper. Now, a long time ago, for the corrective action at Scanabodies, I set up a form called the Corrective Action Form. Very creative. But no, the name I gave to this form was Ouch, okay? <laughs> Ouch, that was a bad thing that happened, right? And OUCH was an acronym that every letter stood for something. Okay, O stood for observation. And you had to write down, you have to write down on the form just exactly what happened. And U stands for understanding. So that's just like, how did that happen? How exactly that happened? And C for OUCH stands for consequences, which are twofold, twofold. What are the financial consequences to the company? That's one side. And the other side is, what are the consequences of eroding customer confidence? All right. And then finally, H for ouch, last letter, stands for how. How are you gonna prevent this from happening again? Now, every sin that our internal auditor of our conscious identifies, we need an ouch form. Uh, oh, observation, exactly what was done, thought, or said. That's nothing less than sin. It's like be labeled, that's sin. And then U stands for understanding. How exactly what, was that sin possible? What exactly on the internet did you open? Uh, where exactly did you go? Uh, w w what exactly were you doing? Were you walking on the roof looking in bathrooms, at, at windows, as David did? And then, that, so that's, that's, that, that's what that stands for, understanding. Then the C stands for consequences. And really there are two full consequences. We're not talking about losing money, we're not talking about eroding customer confidences here, but we are talking about the consequence of an offense toward God, because sin is personal offense toward God, 
What exactly was the offense toward God? That's the external one. And the internal one of the consequences, how exactly did this personally defile you? How did this make you dirty? And then the H in there, the ouch, the last is, how are you gonna prevent its recurrence? What exactly will you do to not let this sin happen again? Then it says you don't sin again like this. Now, this is the way to head towards zero deficiencies when it comes to appear, when it comes to us appearing before the Lord, which it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.10. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one of us may receive things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether good or bad. Now, it's hard work. I don't know, I think we have 30 people in our quality group there, expensive, but it's hard work for scantibodies to have these internal audits with these ouch corrective plans, but that's the only way to have a zero findings on the Form 43 when the, when the FDA comes. And in the same way, that's the ultimate audit the, the, when the FDA comes at the Form 43. So in the same way, it's personally hard for us. It's hard for us personally to have these internal audits of the soul with all these corrective action plans, but that's the only way to have a zero findings when the ultimate audit happens at the, what's called the judgment seat of Christ. That's the ultimate audit. And this self-examination is what God called Israel to do. This is what God ordered Israel to do in Haggai 1.5. Haggai 1.5, where God said, consider your ways. What he's calling for there is to have an internal audit. Consider your ways. He's talking to Israel. He says, consider your ways. Now, it's interesting there when he uses the word consider. It's a unique word in Hebrew. It's simu leviton, levikem. Simu Levikim, in case you wanted to know. Now, the only reason that's important is because that word is a conjunction of three Hebrew words. You know that Hebrew words have as a base just three letters. Well, this is a lot of letters, okay? This is the letters. Sum, Lev, and Al, okay? So Sum is the Hebrew word for set, or focus, or set. And Lev is heart, so Lev is heart. And al, al's an easy one to remember, it means over. And the, why it's easy to remember is because of the Israeli airline, al-al, you know, al-al. So, you know, el means two, and al means over. So, you know, the Israeli airline says, we're gonna get to that place by going over <laughs> the land, all right? That's el-al. You probably didn't wanna know that either, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, so, so, so it's the last word. So what this word is saying here, that when it says consider, is set your heart over. In other words, really evaluate. Get over it, get, get on top, and look down on it like a plane, like an LL plane, okay? Now, and, and now, so, we, so God told Israel, set your heart on your way. Set your, your heart over your ways. Haggai 1.5, Haggai 1.5, consider your ways. Set your heart over your ways. Really look them over. And that's what it means. It means literally set your heart. It means focus your heart on your own ways, not on the ways of others. You know, consider your ways, not his ways. And uh, so that's what God told them to do. And by the same token, God told, used the same word and told them, don't do this. Don't set your heart on this. 
And that same word is used in Psalm 62.10, Psalm 62.10, where God told Israel, if riches increase, set, and there you got the, the, those three words all together, sum leven al, set not your heart upon them. So if riches increase, don't get over the, don't so to speak get over the riches and look down on them and focus your heart on that. Don't do that, but do that with your ways. Now, we're all faced with a problem now. Uh, not a problem, we're all faced with a decision. It's a decision. I really wanna do this? I really want to engage in all this hard work uh, uh, of self-examination. I really want to set up this internal self-auditing with the ouch corrective forms. Do I really want to do what the Bible calls judge yourself? The Bible says, and, and, and yes, we want to do that. Why? Because of 1 Corinthians 11.31. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says, for if we judge our, if we would judge ourselves, it says, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Well, yeah. And sometimes we need to, to encourage ourselves and say, yes, I need to do this. Yes, I will judge myself. Yes, I'm encouraging myself to judge myself. And that's what we see the prophet Jeremiah doing. We know not, not, not just we encourage ourselves, we encourage all of us. You've heard Ken. Ken Wilson, uh, every time before communion, he, you know, he, many times he stands up and says, you know, it's a time to examine yourself, time to you know, confess sin, and, and Ken does that because he doesn't want to see anybody die in the aisle. That would not be a good thing for our service, you know, so that's why he calls us to judge. All right, anyway, but, but so he's encouraging us. He's saying, come on now, come on everybody, let's judge ourselves. Well, this is exactly what the prophet Jeremiah did in his book of Lamentations. Who would write a book called Lamentations? But that was him. Jeremiah was, uh, was, was, was very sad. He was very sad. Over the condition of Israel, he writes a book, Lamentations. So anyway, in the book of Lamentations, he in essence is saying, come on, come on everybody, let's, let's do it. In Lamentations 340, Lamentations 340, where he says, let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. He's saying, come on, everybody, let's search, let's judge yourself, let's try our ways, let's get our heart over our ways, and then turn ourselves back to God. And sometimes we, we, we look at all these works of, as he says, searching, trying our way of self-audit, corrective actions, and we say, it's too much, it's too much for me, I need help, I can't do this alone. Who can help me? Who can help me? That's when God invites us to ask, and by the way, later on we're gonna come to, right after this, we're gonna come to this verse where he's gonna say, ask and you'll receive. Knock and it'll be open to you. Okay, so God is encouraging us in Psalm 139, 23. Psalm 139, 23, he's encouraging us to do what, it, what, what the prayer, to say the prayer of Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. So that's, that, that, that verse is basically saying, help me out, God. Help me out because uh, I need help. I need help in, this, in the area of searching and knowing and trying, so help me, please. Now, the Lord Jesus now gives us reason for uh, judging ourselves and judging ourselves and not stepping into the judge's bench and take the judge's seat and the reason he says, don't condemn others, really don't condemn yourself either, 
But the reason he says don't do that in Matthew 7, 2, in Matthew 7, 2, the second verse, because he says, with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Now, that's pretty serious, because what he's actually saying there is that if we judge another person, then you're setting up the standard by which God is gonna judge you. And God is constantly monitoring us, and when we decide to judge another person, it's like God saying, oh, he's judging another person? Oh, okay, then he's setting up the standard for judging that other person. Oh, then that must be the standard that he's willing to be judged by. I better take note of this new standard that he's gonna judge him. Now, none of us want that. None of us want that. None of us want that for two reasons. First, we want God's amazing grace that we don't deserve, but we want it. And when we become judgmental of another person, we're not prone to judge with grace, that's not us. We're prone to judge with severity, and that's not good for us to be judged without grace and with severity. Now, that's the first reason that we don't wanna judge another person, because our judgment without grace is worse than God's. Now, we see the grace of God when the Lord Jesus was being nailed to the cross, He's being nailed to the cross in Luke 23, 34, in Luke 23, 34, and he says, then Jesus, then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They parted his raiment, cast lots. That's a lot of grace, great grace. The Lord Jesus is saying to the people who are nailing, nailing them, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And if we were on the cross, we wouldn't say that. We'd say, Father, judge them, they know exactly what they're doing. See, now we wanna be judged by the standard of Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. Okay, there's another reason why we don't wanna uh, be judged by the same standard we judge another person, and that's because of Matthew 7, 3, the next verse, verse three. Uh, why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eyes, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? So the word mote means speck. And why are you looking at a speck in your brother's eye, but you're not aware of the the beam in your, in your own eye. The Lord is saying there that when we get judgmental about things in others, we're guilty of that. Nine times out of 10, we're guilty out of that. And that's what it says in Romans 2.1. Romans 2.1 says, therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art the judges, for wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. But we're sure the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Thinkest thou this, O man, that judges them which do such things and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? So the problem is that, is that we judge, uh, what we, we tend to be judgmental on and critical on are the very things that we're guilty of. You know, it reminds me of those metal detectors, you know, the people you see people using on the beach where they're looking for valuable things and you know, on the sand, lost rings. And, and we're, we're, we're very good metal detectors. You know, we find the sin in, in others' lives and, and we're critical, but we really identified our own sins. In other words, that means that the last thing we wanna be critical of is the sins that we're involved with. Because the last thing we wanna do is to establish a criteria for judging the sin that we're guilty of. So the Lord Jesus is talking in verse three about what's in the eye. This is what he's using as an analogy here, a parable, whatever you want to call it. And it's an interesting, he just, it, 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 we just picture what he's saying here. Picture this painting. 
that he's painted. Picture this picture that it could be in a comic book. It's absolutely hilarious. You, you imagine the scene. It would be an outrageous comic picture. It's a person who has a log in their eye. <laughs> and then he's coming to a person who has a speck in his eye. And the person with log in the, log in the eye is saying to the person with speck in the eye, that's terrible. You have a speck in your eye. You're so terrible. How did you allow that speck to get in your eye? What's wrong with you? And all the while, the person who's berating the other person for having the speck in his eye, he's got this giant log in his eye. That's a hilarious picture, you know? But what's even more hilarious is the next scene that the Lord continues with the picture on in verse four, verse four, where he says, how wilt I say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is on own eye. And this is another picture he's painted here of this person with the log in his eye saying to the person with the speck in his eye, now you just keep still and let me remove this speck out of your eye. He's, he's saying this, he's got a log in his own eye, and he's saying to the person, now, now just get a little closer, I can't see it very well, you know, hold still while I'm trying to get this speck out of your eye. I don't know why I'm having such trouble seeing the speck in your eye. I don't think you're cooperating, you know, that's why I'm not able to move the speck in your eye. Otherwise, he's got this gigantic log in his eye, and he's trying to play the doctor, you know, remove the speck in the other person's eye. So it's kind of like Mr. Magoo, you know, <laughs> Mr. Magoo, you can't see because he's got a log in his eye. So this is a picture that the Lord paints for us of what a hypocrite is in verse five. In verse five, he says, verse five says, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to remove, to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So the word hypocrite in the Greek means an actor, an actor. A hypocrite is an actor because, he's an actor because he is acting, he's not that person, but he's playing the role of that person, it's just an act. And that's what the Lord says is happening here with a person who's judging and trying to correct another person of a sin that he's guilty of, he's just acting. He's just acting the part of the person, he's not really him. Now the Lord says what to do in that situation, verse five, verse five, thou hypocrite, first cast out, cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So here the Lord is actually giving counsel. He's giving advice. He's giving guidance for what to do. He says, first, get the beam out of your eye. He's not saying to the person who's doing this in a condemnatory way, well, get out of here, you hypocrite. That's not what he's saying. As a matter of fact, he's saying really the opposite because he wants the person with the beam in his eye to cast out the speck in his brother's eye. He actually wants that. He says in verse five, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So what the Lord is saying here to the person with the beam in his eye is he's really saying to this person with the, with the log in his eye, you have an extraordinary opportunity. You have an extraordinary opportunity to help another person in need. As a matter of fact, all the way through this example, the Lord has called the person with the speck in his eye, he's called him the brother. He hasn't said the person, the man, he's called the brother which is, again, brings out an affection and a care and a love for this other person. It's not just anybody, the brother. And that means the Lord is very much in favor of the person with the log in his eye to help that person with the speck in his eye. The Lord wants the person with the log in his eye to, to help his brother in love and, and with, with the speck. So the Lord knows that the person with the log in his eye, once that log is removed, he's gonna have a tremendous testimony of how he was able to be delivered from this log in his eye, and that's gonna help other people with specks in their eyes to know, to know that they can also be relieved from this sin that they're plagued with. So 
is an encouragement. And also, once the person is delivered from the log in his eye, he's gonna be able to tell the person with the speck in his eye the steps you have to follow. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 